This is episode 119 of the Christian Travelers Network. Today's topic is how do you know if God's really calling you to travel? Hi, my name is Sarah, and I have a background in theology and a love for travel, having visited nine different countries and taught in four different congregations. I want to create an environment that encourages the discussion and overlap of my two favorite things. And if you have a passion for both these things or are wanting to learn how God is such an integral part of our adventures, then you've come to the right place. Today's topic is how do you know if God's really calling you to travel? Because if we're being honest, those of us that love to travel have dreamt of the day that we get to travel full time. We've looked over our budgets, we've come up with all the scenarios, and we just want to travel full time. But how do we really know if that's what God wants for our life? And how do we respond to him if he says indeed it is or isn't? So we're going to dive into a biblical story today about Isaac and Rebecca and how many people stepped out in faith and responded to God's call, even when it was questionable of what the journey would entail. And I'm going to share a little bit about my own stories. Before I do that, I do want to say that this podcast is part of Christian Travelers Network, a faith-based travel agency that not only helps you plan your vacations around the world from a biblical perspective, but it also helps ministry leaders to create retreats and environments that are engaging and fun. And one of the ways that we do that is by offering events that we can all gather together and network with other Christians, get to know them and explore what God is doing in their lives. And that is why I want to invite you to our upcoming retreat called Recline at the Table. It's in Punta Cana, January 14th through 17th of 2022, and the early bird cutoff is in October. You can head to our website, christiantravelers.net forward slash retreats to learn more. And there's so much exciting stuff going on there, and you're not going to want to miss that. But that's not why you're here today, although I certainly hope you'll join us. You're here today to learn more about how do we know if we're actually called to travel. Well, let's go ahead and dive into this really (laughs) heart-wrenching topic. A little bit about myself. So I graduated and had this idea in my head of traveling the world for a year. And if you've ever looked for Christian organizations that do that, you've probably stumbled across World Race. And in my research, I've heard both positive and negative things about them, but the price tag on it was a little outside my comfort zone. Now, I know there's many people who have been blessed with amazing resources and were able to fund it through God providing amazing things, but I didn't feel like that was my call. So I looked into other methods. There's a place called workaway.info, and you work at an organization for four hours a day, then spend the rest of the day touring things in the area. 
something I thought that was really fascinating, and I was on the brink of making that decision to go and travel the world for a year that way when God blessed me with an amazing boyfriend who is now my husband, and I decided that investing in that relationship in person was a better choice in that season of my life. But that doesn't mean that my desire to travel full-time has gone away. It's changed thanks to my amazing husband who does not have that same travel passion as I do. He is a bit more of a homebody and God has made all of us different, which is good. My husband has shown me just some of the amazing things of spending time and making a home that welcomes guests and has hospitality and some of the amazing things about steadfast in a season and in a place. But that's also sparked for me this interest in RV living because then our home can go with us literally anywhere and we can travel and see the sights. And as I've explored and looked into this option, I've discovered that people make a living out of flipping and renovating RVs, similar to how you would renovate a home. And they make what looks like a tragic camouflage, slightly decrepit RV into this gorgeous trendy, uh, primarily white, like it has bright colors and, you know, just very gorgeous space. And I just have this passion. In fact, if you guys know someone who does this for a living, I would love to work under them and learn under them. And if you want to send their information my way, please do, because I would be happy to exchange my skills and services to learn and work with them and learn to do this because it would be something and a goal of mine down the road. But that being said, right now, it isn't my season to travel for a number of reasons. But what is God calling you to right now? Does he have that little bug in you that says it's time to travel full time? Or is he saying, keep dreaming, but not right now? Or are you not sure what he's saying at all? If those are questions that are going through your head, then you're not too far off from a story that I want us to unpack this week. And so if you want to open your Bibles with me, we're going to turn to Genesis 24. And in fact, I really want to encourage you to read this whole chapter. And I will do my best to give a summary and hit certain points about it related to travel and to this question that we're asking. But there's so many other integral points worth unpacking. And so, as always, being in God's word helps us to understand if it's meant if it's meant to be our time to travel or not. So, take some time this week spend some time really diving into God's word. When we're in God's word, it's easier to hear him and he'll show us things that we would be more likely to miss when we're not in his word. So if you're really pondering this question, that is my recommendation for you. But we're in Genesis 24 now and we're gonna meet Isaac and Rebecca. First of all, Do you remember the story of Sarah and Abraham and how Sarah gets pregnant when she's fairly old, 
past her childbearing years and they have one son, one very precious son. And now Abraham is getting old. He's reaching a point when he can't travel and go search out a wife for his son. And that day scares me when I won't be able to travel. I know some people wait until retirement to travel, but for me, that's a little terrifying because I'm afraid I'll miss out on some amazing opportunities to see the world in a healthy and and whole state. But that doesn't mean that like right now I can't be taking care of myself so that when I'm older, you know, there's there's different seasons and different reasons to travel when you're younger and when you're older. But in all reasons, we see Abraham right now and he's not able to travel, not able to make this trek. And part of that is also because God called Abraham out here. He said to leave his hometown and make this trek into a land unknown and someday God would give him this promised land. So he's here, he's unable to make this trek home, and he calls on his eldest servant, which would take the place of him in this upcoming adventure. And he says, place your hand under my thigh, which is like a sign of strength and of reproductivity and just like very symbolic. So place your hand under my thigh, and I want you to promise me you won't take a woman from where they were living with the Canaanites who had kind of pagan tendencies. And I want you to go back to the land where I came from and I want you to find a wife for my son. And he promised that an angel would go before his servant. Now, if you're sitting here and you're wondering how do you know if you're going to go and someone like literally tells you to go, I mean, that's a pretty obvious reason to go, to travel, to get to see the world, is because someone sends you on a mission. But how many times does someone say, go get the groceries, go get this, and we don't count it as an adventure, we think of it as a task. And without hesitation, this servant goes. And even though the story doesn't actually really talk about it, there's some minor references throughout this chapter that make me think that he likely had other people with him. He brings 10 camels with all kinds of gifts for this future bride that he doesn't know if he's even going to find. And he faithfully trusts in the God of Abraham and goes on this journey back to the land that Abraham came from. And when he gets there, he sits down by the well and he says a little prayer in his heart. And so basically in his prayer, he says, Lord, be faithful to Abraham, and then when I go up to one of these women at the well, may the one that you choose for Isaac be the one who says that she'll give this servant a drink, and then she'll water the camels also. So, what happens? Before he even finishes the prayer that comes out, her name is Rebecca, And she offers, when they have this dialogue, it is exactly as he prayed. She gives him water to drink and then water 
for the camels also. And somewhere I read that the wells were likely lined with stairs. So she was running back and forth between the trough for the camels and and going down these stairs to get water from the well and then back up, which is a little bit of a laborious task. So then he like asks her what family she's from, and it turns out she's technically Isaac's cousin. Uh, Rebecca's father is Abraham's brother. So cousin, Isaac's uncle, that kind of scenario, which in modern day circumstances, I know that's highly frowned upon, but God had not yet laid out those rules. At some point, part of populating the earth after Adam and Eve and after Moses was marrying within your own family. That's kind of the way that things were until eventually there was a big enough population that God said, okay, we're going to separate this so that you're not marrying within the family anymore. So at this point, it was acceptable. And so he gave her bracelets and necklaces and uh, like nose ring. And then she went running home to tell her family. And then Brother Laban came running out and, you know, they greeted him. They said, hey, come on in. Uh, we'll feed your camels. And then they try to have him sit down for dinner. And the servant is so focused on this mission that he says, uh-uh, I'm not going to eat until I tell you why I came. And so he, he retells basically everything I just said to you, how he was sent and how he's been listening to the Lord on this whole journey. And he asks, you know, will, will you allow Rebecca to marry Isaac? And they say, yes. And so then he pauses there and he gives thanksgiving to the Lord. So he started his his journey in prayer. And then throughout, he continued prayer and ended by giving thanksgiving. And so they eat. And the next morning, Rebecca's mother and her brother Laban want to hold him there, hold Rebecca there. They want her to stay for another 10 more days. And he's like, please don't delay me. Like, I have a mission. I need to go back home. And so they said, okay, well, we'll ask Rebecca what she thinks. And she says yes. And then she goes back with him. And as they get back to the land of Abraham, Isaac is out in the field praying, spending time in contemplation with the Lord. And he looks up and he sees Rebecca. And he goes and they meet each other. And the servant explains the whole story, and then they go and consummate the marriage. So that's basically how Isaac and Rebecca end up being married. But talk about trust. Rebecca not knowing this man, but trusting the Lord's hand in all of it, trusting relationships and things. Talk about the servant going, and he could have you know, sat there and wondered which woman to talk to and like all these different things. And yet God's hand was on all of it and it was evident by the way prayers and the way things fell into place. Now, am I encouraging you if someone comes up to you and says, oh, I think we should get married and they go on this whole spiel about, you know, they had a vision or whatever to trust that? Not necessarily. It has to line up with scripture. It has to sound true. Um, and there were ways that, not to say that God isn't still working and could still create miracles like that. 
But also, sometimes we have to use our reasoning and our logic to understand that sometimes people lie and they don't always, they like, they might not actually be in true understanding of, you know, they might not have that relationship with the Lord that truly understands what they thought they saw. So it's okay to question and it's okay to take it to God and not like just run off with someone. But what I am saying is here as a traveler, wondering, as someone who wants to travel and is thinking about doing this full time, or even just a special trip that you're really pondering, what can you take away from this story? Well, one, are you spending time in God's word? Clearly, the servant had a trust for the God of Abraham. He trusted his faithfulness, and that only comes through a relationship. Spending time with God is a relationship. It's an investment. It doesn't end when you go on vacation. It isn't temporal. It isn't just on Sundays. It's every day, every minute, every hour. Two, are the people around you reaffirming what you believe? See, the servant was straight up told to go, and Rebecca was in an environment that these people approved of the message that was given to her from the servant. But she also had some people questioning or at least wanting to delay her go. So there's people that may be like, oh, yes, you certainly are meant to travel, but is right now the best time? So you have to weigh that out. That's a conversation with God going back to that relationship piece. People can help us reaffirm things, but they can also hinder us from understanding what's being said. And if it is a desire of your heart, does it align with scripture? Is your desire and motives for going to be harmful, hurtful, or a break of the Ten Commandments? If not, if it aligns up with scripture... If it isn't for selfish gain, if it isn't for um, bragging rights, if it isn't to run away from something that God needs you to deal with in the present, then if those things are in place, if it is truly you are in relationship with God, it's being affirmed by others, and it aligns up with scripture, then I say go, because As you can see, the servant didn't have any issue with going because there was an angel literally leading him there. It aligned with what God's will was, and he went. And Rebecca didn't have an issue going because she trusted in God, or at least that's what I'm led to believe, that she had that passion and connection and believed that this was meant to work itself out as was well. So. This is maybe not the most direct story that could really answer this question. And really, there is no perfect answer if you're meant to travel or not. But hopefully this gives you a starting point as to how you can begin to determine if you are meant to go and what that is meant to look like. Thank you so much for listening today and for joining me Sarah, the Director of Travel Ministries at Christian Travelers Network, as we've unpacked some of the biblical truths 
and what it means to truly travel in the scriptures and how it can look in our own lives. If you enjoyed this episode, I want to encourage you to listen to other episodes and potentially support our podcast by subscribing and sharing this episode with a friend. That is the biggest way you can support us because you help us be seen and heard by more people. Additionally, if you want to connect, if you want to travel and see the world and connect with other Christians in doing so and have some of these amazing biblical discussions with those around you, then I encourage you to head to our website, christiantravelers.net. There you can find links to our social media and information about our upcoming retreats. It's going to be a great time, and I love our communities. They're such a great encouragement for those around us. Thank you so much for tuning in. Feel free to message me or comment below with any of your thoughts or ideas you have for upcoming episodes. Until next time, safe travels and God bless.